while we were on the sailboat, I was spending, wow, I was spending the most valuable time in my life with my family. Mm -hmm. But my assets were growing (laughs) because I was investing in real estate. And that gave me the time to be able to invest my life in that which was most important, my family. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. All right, three full listeners, I uh, got a great guest today, one of, one of the favorite guests that I've, I've had on my show. Um, I'm so excited that he's back. Dave Foster is joining us again today from uh, typically sunny Florida, but a uh, uh, rainy lightning Florida. Just had a, a lightning strike in, in his house. He can tell us a little bit more about, but uh, real quick, let me give you a quick background on Dave because we had him on before. He's episode 29, so you can go back and, and listen to episode 29. We are going to um, recap some of that and go through some of the same story because if people haven't heard Dave's story, uh, I really want him to hear his story. So um, just a little bit about his story real quick. He started out in Denver, um, kind of got into real estate, realized uh, as he was flipping that the real, the IRS was taking 40% of his profit. Uh, that wasn't a, a good business strategy for him. He, he didn't like that. So he learned about 1031 exchanges uh, and used that in his strategy, uh, built up a portfolio in Denver, then sold his portfolio in Denver, used the 1031 exchange to, to transition that into a new portfolio in Connecticut. And then he basically did that again to move down to Florida um, and build a portfolio there. And by the time he had done that, deferred all the tax savings uh, twice or deferred all the taxes twice and built his portfolio in Florida, it allowed he and his wife to uh, live out their dream by buying a sailboat. Uh, and with their, their young boys, um, they, they got jumped on a sailboat and lived for 10 years on a sailboat. So obviously uh, such a cool story. Uh, Dave, let's get in that. But first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us again. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. You would think that a sailor would understand and not be scared of lightning. But when you see it come out of the kitchen faucet, that's a different story. That's scary. That's scary no matter who you are. Uh, okay. oh, it's great to be here, Lee. Yeah. Glad you're still able to join us. Um, yeah. Thanks for jumping on, uh, even though you're scared right now. Um, but Dave, they, they, let's, let's jump into it. Let, let's go back because um, you know, you're, you're a 1031 expert. You know, a lot of people come to you uh, talking about how to do a 1031, how to defer the taxes uh, so that they can reinvest all of their, their profit into the next deal, which allows them to buy much more. But we'll get into all that. But right. Dave, your story is such a great example of, of the benefits of doing that and, and what it can do for you as far as building wealth. So why don't we just start there? Let's go and dig into your story a little bit. Why don't you take us back to Denver, uh, kind of the point where you figured out, you know, hey, maybe this 1031 thing is a good idea because- I'm losing yeah. a lot of my profit and taxes. Yeah, I mean, you said it exactly right. And this is actually a really great time in the market to go and revisit that. Because what we did is one of the key off-ramp strategies for folks right now who since that we're in a mature market, don't know where the market is going next, what should we do? So you're absolutely right. Too much of our money was going to pay taxes 
And as long as that happened, we were not going to be able to meet our time goals because we had sailboat in our eyes, wanted to go down Caribbean, wanted to do medical missions, trips, spend time with our kids. That's what we wanted. So we fixated on that and said, all right, that's the goal. How do we get there? And the first thing we realized we had to do, stop the bleeding. Yeah. More money stays with us. And that's when we discovered the 1031 exchange, which, like you said, lets you sell investment real estate and buy investment real estate without having to pay the tax. So right away, that showed us that we could move our portfolio around the country and into different types of real estate and let us not pay taxes. So we could continually increase cash flow and position it where we wanted to be. So that's all part A of it. Okay, how do you buy a sailboat? Well, the answer to that is you sell your primary residence because the rules of your primary residence are that if you've lived in it for two out of the previous five years, as a married couple, we got to take the first $500,000 in profit tax-free. Don't have to reinvest, can do anything you want. Right. And you can do that once every two years. So for us, that was part B. We're going to start selling our primary residence. Well, then what we did, and it was probably my wife that had this idea because she's much smarter than me, (laughs) is we said, well, we're moving our portfolio to a coast. What if we converted one of those properties into our next primary residence? Yeah. And this was prior to 2008. And at that time, we all we had to do was live in it for two years, sell it. And again, the first $500,000 in profit was tax free. So we did that a couple of times in Denver before we left. We moved to Connecticut and did it. And then we moved to Florida. And by those transactions, we had not only deferred all the tax in the 1031 exchanges, into our investment portfolio, but we had converted enough of that money from tax deferred into tax free that that's what bought the sailboat. Okay, I forgot this part of your story. That yeah, that's a, that's a nice trick because um, you know one thing that I think some people do miss about the ten thirty one, and you, I notice you are always making sure to say deferred, deferred, deferred because. The taxes only deferred. I, people people think that if you were supposed to pay, you know, twenty thousand in taxes on a property, uh, but you do a ten thirty one into another one, and then that one you were supposed to pay twenty thousand in taxes, but you do a ten thirty one into another one. They don't realize that when you sell that third property, they're coming back for the twenty thousand that you owed on the the second one and the twenty thousand you owed on the first one when you sell the right. third. People think it, it's going to eventually go away and, oh, yeah, I'll have to pay taxes someday. But they think they're just going to sell it on the third property or pay it on the third property because that's the one they actually sell. And they don't realize, no, no, they're coming back for everything. But what you did is is you turned the, that into a, a residential or, or, sorry, your personal residence. So they don't come back after that because it's not tax deferred. You You actually, there are no taxes when you sell a personal residence that you've lived in for two years. Yeah, correct, Amundo. Now, that has changed a little bit, but yeah, what what's key in what we're describing is that not only is it that forty thousand in tax, 
but it's what that 40,000 represents to your lifestyle. Right. Can you invest 40,000 and make 10%? Yeah. That's $4,000 a year. Yeah. That you are not just giving up 40,000, you're giving up $4,000 a year of income. Yep. That hurts. That hurts yep. bad. Yeah. And so I, I call this, I don't know if we talked about this the other day uh, in our last, last chat, but I call this the four D's of 1031 investing. Defer, yeah, yep. defer, defer, and then die. <laughs> because as long as you own that property now, you'll never pay the tax. As long as you convert that property to your primary residence and live in it, you will never pay the tax. Right. So if you want an off-ramp, that's not going to cause you to have to recapture that. Do a conversion into your primary residence. Now, at some point in time, you're going to want to sell that property. And if you do, there are still some revisions to get part of the gain tax-free. They, uh, somebody put my picture up in the lunchroom at the IRS in 2008. And so they changed the rule. So now, if the property is an investment property that you convert into your primary, and if you it was part of a 1031 exchange, then in order to sell it and get the primary residence exemption, you have to have lived in it for two years. Okay. You have to have owned it for five years. Oh, uh, okay. They want to watch you have some skin in the game on it, right? Okay. With some time as you're... So you have to live in it for two out of the previous five, owned it for at least five, and when you sell it, you will get to prorate the amount of gain tax-free with the period of time, between the periods of time that it was a rental. <laughs> And when it was your primary residence. So if you buy that property, use it for a rental for a couple of years and then move into it and live in it for three years, you will get to take three fifths, 60% of the gain tax free. Now that's even if, tax. even if you were doing the 1031, 1031, 1031, and this is like the fourth property in line. You're still deferring more than 50% of the tax. I'm sorry. You're still turning more than 50% of the tax into tax-free. Of all those exactly previous right. houses, even though you didn't live in those previous houses. That's exactly right. Okay. Gotcha. Wow. That's massive. Yeah, it's huge. Sure. I have a, a realtor down here in St. Pete who is using this exact strategy and he's used it to buy three identical condos on the same floor of the same beachfront building on St. Pete Beach. Wow. When he's ready to retire, he's going to sell his primary residence tax-free. He's going to move into the first one. Now, I asked his wife, how are you going to know when it's time to leave? She said, when it's time to redecorate, we're just moving. <laughs> they're going to live in that property. Now, they will live in the property for three or four years. But if they used it for rental for two lived in it for three, and then sell it. When they sell it, 60% of all the gain from all the way back. All the way back, yeah. Is tax-free. Yeah. He still has to recapture depreciation. Yep. Where are they going to move? Into the next one. <laughs> and they'll do the exact same thing. And then they'll move into the next one. Now, a naysayer says, well, but Dave, it's not totally tax-free. He's having to pay some taxes. And my response would be, yep. And if you have to get a retirement job, 
bagging groceries at Kroger's, you're going to pay taxes on that income as well. <laughs> exactly. Where would you rather pay taxes? Living in a nice place or having to work for a job? That's his retirement gig. Yeah. You Just can't beat that. that thing. No, right. Just living, buying real estate. Yeah. No, so... Uh, just real quick to recap, Dave, you're saying, let's say you you buy a house, um, own as a rental for a while, you do a 1031 to the next one, you should have paid 20,000. Let's say you do that five times. So you're, if you just, if you just sold out of that last rental property, the fifth one, and you made 20,000 on each one, or, or you should have paid 20,000 in taxes on each one. So if right. you just sold that fifth one, you would owe a hundred, they would come for a hundred thousand dollars in taxes. But That's if exactly you, right. if on that last one, you live in it, for three out of five years in your example, then they're just coming after 40,000 in taxes. You get to keep $60,000 that you should have paid in taxes. You That's exactly right. Out. Yeah. And we actually do an example. I don't have it. I can't put it up to show you today, but we do an Excel spreadsheet that takes that exact same amount of gain. $100,000 in gain between state and federal tax, roughly $20,000 in tax. Yeah. Okay. So if you're the investor that pays the tax, you don't know anything. Congratulations. But what do you have left if you sold? What do you have left of that $100,000 to buy your next property? You have $80,000. Yeah. So at 20% leveraged, what can you buy? You can buy $400,000 piece of property. That's awesome. But here's the guy that does the 1031. He has $100,000 to invest on his new property. Now he owes. 20,000. Okay. But what can he buy? He can buy a property worth 500,000. Now, if those two properties appreciate at exactly the same amount, it's not going to be the same ratio when you sell them. No. The more expensive property is going to have grown much larger. Over the course of four transactions over 20 years, not every year, not every two years, Four transactions over 20 years of the exact same appreciation, the exact same everything, except one pays the tax and one uses the tax to leverage into new real estate. The investor that does the 1031 exchanges owns about $11.5 million of real estate. The investor that paid the taxes owes about three and owns about three and a half million. Wow. Yeah. That's the difference. That's now, a compound effect there. Thank you, Albert Einstein. Right? <laughs> compound yep. interest, eighth wonder of the world. Now, that investor doing the 1031 exchanges owes about $450,000 in tax, which kind of sets your heart to palpitating until you stop and say, wait, $12 million in property, how many months of income is that? To pay off all the tax. Yeah. Three or right. four. And at the end of that, you still got 12 million. The other guy's got three and a half. Right, right. So four hundred. you lose 450,000. He doesn't owe any tax because he's been paying taxes, but you're still way, way ahead even when you pay that 450. Yeah. No, that, that that's a compound effect there. You know, I was going to go back to something you said too there, Dave, because you talked about how, you know, let's say you were going to pay 40,000 in taxes, but you do a 1031. And you think investing that that forty thousand, if you can make a ten percent return on your money, that's four thousand dollars a year. You know, so that's that's something. You know, that's real money. But the other the other way to think about it is, um, in real estate, especially in multifamily, like we usually feel like we can probably double 
our money, um, our investors' money, double our investment every five to seven years. Hope, hopefully, closer to five years. That you know, if the if the economy is doing pretty well. I mean, in the past five years, you, you've you've done way better than that. Um, but yeah, but hopefully you double. So that's another way to think about it. Is like just by saving that forty thousand dollars in a ten thirty one. If you invest that right, and this, you know, this is more. Well, no, this is even as as passive. Um, but if you're you're JVing with somebody. In five years, that 40 has turned into 80 if you were to sell again. So even if you come back and have to, to recapture that, you know, you, you doubled that money. So just being able to keep that money for a longer period of time, you know, you, you can turn that 40,000 into 80, pay that, and you're still left with 40. So you're, you're $40,000 better in, in five years. You know, even if you even if you decide to sell, you don't take it all the way to death. You're still better off delaying that, just, just deferring it, as you're always saying, deferring it because what can you do with that money during that time? You know, hopefully you can, you can double that. You can turn it into a lot more. And then even if you do sell and you go back and pay that, I mean, you're still left with 40,000 that you would have never had because you would have lost that 40,000 five years ago. So yeah, that's exactly right. So it's about that. What a great illustration of the rule of 72. Have you ever heard of this one? No, you might've told me last time, but I forget if you did. This is one of these amazing math calculations. To figure out how long it's going to take you to double your money, take 72 and divide it by the interest rate. And that equals how long it takes to double. Okay. So 72 divided by a 10% return, your money doubles at 7.2 years. What a great tool to be able to use to figure that out. And you're absolutely right, because actually what you're talking about is another one of those Ds of the defer, defer, defer. So you can defer and end up in a primary residence. You can defer, defer, defer by continually 1031-ing finally into passive investments. So you're tired of working? Okay. Get it into something passive. Yeah. Triple net commercial, um, DSTs, and whatever it is that's going to generate income off that money, but don't pay the tax. Keep generating the income off of it. And one of the things that several of my clients are doing that I think is just a fascinating twist on this, and it goes right into what you're doing with your syndications. Okay. 1031s typically will not qualify for syndications sure. because you have to sell real estate and buy real estate. But my investors are saying, you know what? I'm tired of being a landlord. I want to go passive. I want better returns. I want to be able to go into syndications. So what they will do is combine everything we've talked about. Go buy an investment property. Use it for investment for a couple of years. Move into that property. Now, it turned just turned into your primary residence, didn't it? Yeah. If you were to cash out refinance, wouldn't you get the most advantageous financing terms out there? Because it's your primary residence. So you lowered your cost of operating right there. And then what are you going to do with the money? That's now tax-free money. It's a cash-out refi. So take that and invest in a syndication. In a syndication, yeah. Or buy an investment property, refinance it enough, and then just make enough money to keep the lights on, but get your bang out of the cash investment in the syndication. Yeah, right, right. So many ways to combine those. Yeah, yeah. And Dave, I think some people get tripped up because you're talking about, hey, you want to become more passive, you know, get in a triple net. And I think some people think, well, Dave, you can't do that because it's got to be a like-kind property. 
do a lot of people get hung up on that where, where they think like kind means if I'm selling a single family, I got to buy a single family. If I'm selling, you know, we do get that question quite often. You're absolutely right. But all like kind means is that it's being, it's real estate and it's being used for investment. Okay. So industrial, raw land, commercial, residential, multifamily. Yeah. Okay. It's all one big pot. Yeah. Residential being used as, as, yeah, as a a rental property. Then it's a like, which is why that's so attractive to convert into your primary residence. Go buy a kicking, dope, beautiful single family rental. That's on the yeah. beach somewhere. You use it for investment for a couple of years and then move in. Move in. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the way you built up. So you were you were in Denver, correct? You you owned a portfolio out there. And I think you told us, hey, we want to be on a sailboat. There's no way to get on a sailboat from Denver, right? You, you can't step onto a sailboat in the ocean in Denver. There is no beach. There there's no, no beach. beach in Denver. It's a beautiful place, but there's no beach and you want to be on a sailboat. So you started realizing we need to move and, and you say, you know, you kind of took a detour up to Connecticut because that's not the best place to get on a sailboat either, right? Uh, it's even cold. Though, even though there's some there's still snow. Yeah, yeah. All the snow of Colorado and none. <laughs> Come on, yeah. Yeah, so, but, no but what you did was you said, okay, we're going to sell, and you sold a handful of properties, right? But did you did you go one for one? You sold a handful of properties, a bunch of properties out in Denver, and then with each one, you bought another one in Connecticut. How did you kind of transfer your portfolio out there? And then maybe just real quick, how did you do it again down to Florida? Because I think that's a yeah, well, that's great. I like to call that the ebb and flow okay. of ten thirty one investing because it's key to know that you can sell one and buy more. You can buy gotcha. multiples. Okay, that's called a diversification exchange, and that's huge because it's letting you build your portfolio. Yeah. You can also do the opposite though, which is to consolidate. Okay. Which again is one of those strategies where you sell, say, $500,000 properties and go buy one $500,000 property. Yeah. So if you're a single family investor wanting to make that leap into larger multifamily or commercial, many times you just stay on your track, build your portfolio of single families, then sell them all. In as close a time frame as you can, yeah. so that their exchange periods overlap, and then go buy that one commercial property. Gotcha. Now, Dave, real quick on that because um, yeah, we're we're in multifamily, so uh, you know I get this question a lot because I've had some guys that hey, you know, we sold um, this, we got a ten thirty one, we'd like to partner with you. Can you do the tick structure? Is that a way to to kind of get around that? If if somebody, let's say, someone is going to sell five single family homes. They're going to have $500,000 in profit. So they don't want to pay taxes on $500,000. You know, that's maybe up to to $200,000. Well, probably not that because, you know, long-term capital gains, but let's say it's at least $100,000. They don't want to pay, they want to take the whole $500,000, but they want to get in a multifamily. They want to partner with me. Can we buy a multifamily together, just me and them, and do a a tick structure? Is that one way to do that? Yeah, that's exactly right. By the way, you may be right on that $200,000 because of taxes, because don't forget, there's also depreciation recapture. Yeah, depre- yeah, I was, yeah, I forgot. It about could that be two hundred thousand. It, yeah, it's nasty, no matter how you slice it. Yeah, but, yeah. To your question, that's absolutely correct. Um, now, TIC stands for tenants in common, and really, all that means is that Lee and Dave get together and we buy a building, and we buy it so that you own fifty percent of the building on deed. Yeah. And I own 50% of the building on the deed. Okay. So I bought real estate. You bought real estate. It's just that what we bought happens to be 50% of a larger piece. Okay. 
So we could take that and then we could say, hey, let's let's develop it. Let's fix up the units. Let's do whatever. And we could either contribute our real estate into a new entity or an existing entity together in exchange for membership interest in the real estate. So maybe you've already got a good entity. So I would say, do you set up? I would say, I'm going to exchange. I'm going to give you my 50% of the real estate in exchange for 50% of the membership of your LLC. Okay. Now the LLC owns one property, right? Yeah. You've got 50% of the LLC. I have 50% of the LLC. Don't we each own the exact same amount that we did before? Sure. The difference is when you do that, you own 50% of an entity that owns real estate. I own 50% of an entity that owns real estate. And that's why we couldn't do that up front. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Because it doesn't qualify for 1031. Yeah. But you can do it after the fact. Really? Or you and I could say, let's create a third entity that's going to be the management. And that entity, we're going to own 50-50 of. And it's going to manage this property. So there's all sorts of things you can do after the fact. But the key is, yeah, a syndication can do that. As long as the syndication, as long as you can carve off. Yeah. Some of the actual real estate. Yeah. So they're actually buying real estate, not just buying, yeah, part a piece of an LLC that owns real estate. They have to own it kind of by themselves. That's exactly. piece of it. They have to own it by themselves. Okay, that makes sense. Um, well, Dave, let, let, let's let's transition a little bit. Um, I know uh, everybody's gonna want to know what you know, because because you're in the know with this stuff. This is what you do all the time. Um, there was a lot of talk about the 1031 exchange, maybe. Uh, maybe going away, maybe just at least having some changes, maybe being pulled back a little bit, scaled back. Um, and, I mean, Biden was talking about it during the campaign. Um, and, and so any update on, on anything new and any changes, uh, any updates about the 1031 exchange from the government? Yeah, actually, we do have some pretty good news that that's come up. You know, usually I try not to get too excited because, yeah. first of all, you're never safe until Congress is out of session. <laughs> so they right. need to go back to their homes and then I'll feel safe. And then nothing bad um, can happen. Yeah. So usually I take everything with a grain of salt. And honestly, although I seem unflustered, I spend most of my days with my fingers in my ears going, da, 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 make it go away. <laughs> um, you just never know. But 1031 has a statute has been around for a hundred plus years. Okay. There's reasons for it. It is the single best economic generator that is out there, and it is the single best inflation mitigator. Because when you do 1031 exchanges, you're not having to print money to get velocity. It's encouraging transactions because you get the tax deferral. And there was, I think I've learned this since we talked last, some a mentor of mine challenged me and he said dave i want you to stop looking at the tax code as the government's way of raising money yeah i said really okay what what am i supposed to think i know it's like a wax on wax off kind of thing he said i want you to think of the tax code as a way for the government to incentivize 
behavior. Mm-hmm. Wow. So what behavior is the 1031 exchange encouraging, selling, and buying, yep. keeping your money in real estate, increasing the amount that you sell and buy and sell and buy. Yep. So you're making the same dollar work twice as hard. Yeah. It's a velocity of money. As much yeah. At the velocity of money. That's an inflation hedge. Yeah. The other thing is, as far as economic generation, is the amount of tax that you get for capital gains on a sale of real estate is pennies compared to what's actually generated in a transaction. Mm. Because if you're doing it, if you don't sell a piece of property because you don't want to do a 1031 exchange, okay, you're not going to do that. But what are you missing out on? Two realtors commissions, two title companies, sales costs, the vendors for painting, fix-up, flipping, appraisers, inspectors, everybody that's involved in that. Yeah. So much business. And all of that tax is at ordinary income rates. Sure. Yeah. So why would the government want to get rid of that and then lose all the ordinary income tax? Right. So that's always been the argument. And since I've been doing this for 20 some years, every president has toyed with it. They've all decided, no, we're going to leave it alone. Last night, the final amendment to the Senate's bill that now has to go back to the Congress, to the House of Representatives. There's a bunch of stuff still to go, Ali. But the final amendment uh, proposed by Senator Kennedy of Louisiana was to prohibit any changes to Section 1031. Wow. Now, they were pretty giddy because they were really tired. They wanted <laughs> yeah. to get out of there. Yep. It was a unanimous vote. Wow. Voice vote. Yeah. That, I can't tell you how strong that is. Yeah, right. So, and when you add into the fact that the House of Representatives only has such a very slim margin. Sure. That they're seeing the same data. I really think that we're going to pull through on this one. Yeah. And that 1031 is going to be preserved. But like Kenny and Tucker said, nobody's person, property, or liberty are safe while Congress is in session. <laughs> so watch out, be hopeful, but don't trust them. But yeah, but I, I think it goes back to your point, Dave. You know, I think those guys and, and girls in, in the Senate, and I'm sure the Congress can do the same. Board. I mean, they're, they're looking at the same things you just talked about there. You know, they, they've got their people that are saying, hey, we want we want economic growth, right? I mean, that, that's what everybody wants. You know, we, we want a strong economy that, that benefits uh, the country. And they're looking at, okay, if we got rid of it, um, sure, people wouldn't be able to avoid taxes, but maybe they still would because they just wouldn't sell. And maybe when people don't sell, it decreases the velocity of money. And yeah, and then we don't get a tax, uh, you know, all, the, all these brokers and and uh, the, the insurance companies, the appraisers, all this stuff, I mean, where we can make more tax on that. So I, I think they're doing that calculation. They're realizing I, it sounds like it was a no brainer. I mean, if everybody voted, you know, to keep it on, it sounds like it, it, it's a good talking point because, um, you know, it, most people think that all, uh, uh, landowners, property owners that would use the 1031 are, are super rich people. Um, and, and, and they're not, but I, it's, so it just makes for a good talk point, which just yeah, leads me to another point, Dave, I know you said last time you were on here, what 
I like to ask, you know, who's the 1031 exchange for? And I think people ask you that often. You've got a, you've got a, a, an answer that will surprise most people about, you know, the, the average um, savings or whatever of 1031, right? Like, yeah, I was just going to say that the average price of sales, sales price for a property that's 1031 exchanged is less than $400,000. Yeah. What, what does it take to be a successful 1031 investor? Um, who's this for? Let, let, let's kind of dig into that a little bit more. Uh, who should who should do a 1031? Yeah, I mean, the 1031 is not, although it can generate wealth very quickly, it's not a get-rich-quick thing. Sure. The 1031 is a slow process that will reap you incredible accelerating benefits as you go. Yep. So the people... So the, the person that the 1031 exchange is really best for are those people who are wanting to invest in real estate to provide a service of use and rental and residence for folks in America. Those people that want to become landlords or want to own real estate that companies use or that want to have land that is farmed for the benefit of the country. In other words, the 1031, well, if I buy a property to fix and flip, all I'm looking for, well, there's that old joke, right? A fool and his money are just what I'm looking for. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> if I'm doing a fix and flip, I'm just looking to make some money for myself. Yeah. And I don't care who buys it, and it's their responsibility what they do with it. I think that the 1031 investor standards and their goals are a little bit loftier than that. They're looking to buy real estate for productive use is what the statute says. Productive use means using it in a trade as a shoe factory or a restaurant, using it for business as rentals, vacation rentals, long-term rentals, um, using it for investment, buying land, taking care of it, and holding on to it for the long term, yep. or farming it. All of those are examples of 1031 uses. And what every one of those has in common is that it's not, I'm going to get philosophical for a second here, if you're okay. Sure. It's not about just the benefit to the investor. It's about what they're doing for their country, for their world, for their fellow man. Because if I'm going to be a successful landlord, I have to have happy tenants. Sure. Yep. If I want to be a successful farmer, I have to take care of the land. And this just goes back to our favorite book, Lee, which is, and, and, and you know, the Bible says, as you go through life, don't just look out for your own interests. Look out for the interests of others. Yeah. That in a nutshell, is 1031 investing. Now, what's the payoff at the end? Massive amounts of wealth that you can then give to your heirs. Yeah. So it pays off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, which is great. It's a, it's a win-win. It's a way to, like you said, do, do well for people around you, do well for the people who live in your property. And meanwhile, you're building wealth. Um, and I like what you how you started out that it, it's not a get-rich-quick thing. And I, I remember last time you were on, I, I love the way you explained it. And I've used this, I've stolen this from you a little bit because I think it's a great way to explain. You said the 1031 is a great tool 
to force people to delay gratification. It forces you to take the long road. I think that's such a great way to think about I it. I totally not, forgot I said that. Yeah. You can claim it. I'll steal it from you. How's that sound? Okay. Yeah, but you, 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 you know, if you're going to do it, you can take the profit. It forces you to put your profit in the next property. So it, it's, it's really helping you. It's forcing you to build wealth because, yeah, if you're going to do a flip and, and you just sell, you get the money right now. You know, you got to give some to the IRS, you know, big chunk, like, you know, like you found out and so many others have. I mean, I found out when I started flipping, but you, you get to go spend that money right away if you want to. Instead, if you do a 1031, you can't spend that money. It all goes to the next property, but you've just built so much more wealth than if you took that money and experienced it today. So uh, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's obvious. It becomes obvious that it, it is a slower process, but it's, it's a much sure process because you're not only deferring taxes and, and, and potentially, you know, doing it long enough, you don't have to pay those taxes, but you're forcing yourself to keep putting your profit uh, from your work, you know, from, from doing a good job with these properties in the next one. So that's a great thing. Uh, Dave, another, another question along the same lines. I, I know you're, you're a man of faith, you're a family man. Uh, we've, we've kind of hit on that, you know, how you use real estate to, to benefit your family, to, to um, further God's kingdom here on earth, do some incredible things. What would you say is a key ingredient uh, we kind of just talked about a key ingredient to having real estate success and, and specifically 1031 success. What's a key ingredient to, um, at the same time, maintaining your priorities and, and having success, however you want to talk about that, with, with your faith and your family for a real estate investor? Yeah, you know, the cliched answer to that is work-life balance, right? Yeah. Um, and what real estate is so good at is allowing you to create that. While we were on the sailboat, I was spending... Huh, Wow, I was spending the most valuable time in my life with my family, mm -hmm. but my assets were growing <laughs> because I was investing in real estate. And that gave me the time to be able to invest my life in that which was most important, my family. And I... Yeah, I think you see me get a little weepy over that. I think that's really where it's at. Yeah. That real estate, if you truly, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that say, I want to become financially independent. I want the, the fire movement, right? Yep. Financial independence, retire early. All these people, they've almost got it. But there's another part to that. It's not just the financial independence. It's that it allows you to do something significant with your life, go find what that is. And real estate will pay the bills while you're doing it. And yeah, that's well put. I'm not really gonna add anything. That's really, really well put, Dave. I love that. Um, hey, uh, Dave, you guys put out so much great stuff. I mean, basically we'll just send people to 1031investor.com. That's, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, okay, good. All right, Dave, well, before I let you go, man, uh, th thanks so much for coming on again. I, I always love talking to you. You bring so much uh, good, good humor and, and a ton of value. Um, before I let you go, how might my listeners and I be praying for you uh, in the coming weeks? Well, we graduated one from college. We graduated another one from high school. Yeah. That's two new foster boys loose on the world. Wow. So you may want to be praying for our nation. <laughs> Do you raise some heathens? I wouldn't call them heathens. <laughs> they love Jesus. But uh, that's awesome. Yep. But they've got their share of wild. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're still boat boys. Yep. There you go. Still raised on a boat. It's not quite as bad as being raised on a barn in a barn. You know? Yeah. And you know, honestly, this we're in some troubled times in our country. 
there's people that are just searching for themselves and for young people, especially it's yeah. not an easy time. No, it's so not. I think prayers for all of our young people, yeah. which is be awesome. That's Raise cool. up, find their priorities, learn what's important and uh, follow them, you know, learn to live my favorite verse, Micah 6, 8, which is very simply says, if you want to succeed, then do just, but love mercy and do it all humbly. Yeah. Great one to end on, Dave. Thank you for that. All right, buddy. Hey, thanks for coming so on again, man. Here. Yep. We'll send people your way. Good stuff. Thanks for putting out so awesome. much great material, man. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.